0: Yesterday was Palm Sunday. It's a day that Christendom solemnly recalls and observes the uh, triumphal entry of Jesus at riding in as King into Jerusalem and doing so as a fulfillment of Messianic prophecy. It's recorded in Mark chapter 11. I'm just going to read that to you so we can maintain a biblical context here. Uh, Beginning with verse 1 of chapter 11 in Mark, it says, As they approached Jerusalem at at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it you will find a colt tied there, on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? You say the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it back here. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside the street, and they untied it. And some of the bystanders were saying to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had told them, and they gave them permission. And they brought the colt to Jesus and put their garments on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their garments on the road, and others spread leafy branches, having cut them from the fields and those who went in front of in front, and those who followed were shouting, "Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our Father David, Hosanna, in the highest And Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple, and after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany with the twelve, since it was already late. And on the next day, when they had left Bethany, he became hungry. And seeing a distance at a distance, a fig tree that had leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he answered and said to it, quote, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple, and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he was not permitting anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. And he began to teach and say to them, it, "It is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a robber's den. And the chief priests and the scribes heard this and began seeking how to destroy him. For they were afraid of him, for the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching. End quote. That's Mark Mark 11, 1 through 18. It is always a danger this time of year, just like it is with Christmas, that we would have a very sentimental view of these events. It's always easy to simply, if you're part of a liturgical tradition especially, to be a part of a uh, reenactment of palms waving. And perhaps you attended a church uh, yesterday where they handed you an actual palm branch as you walked in as kind of an uh, a, um, object lesson in what was going on on the day that they were observing Palm Sunday. And then now that means that today, Monday, is the beginning of Holy Week. And what I want to share with you today is that Holy Week, leading up to Good Friday, the crucifixion, the death, and then, of course, Easter with the resurrection of our Lord, um, was a, um, not only a, a time in which the Lord rode into Jerusalem as the Son of David, the true, long-awaited Son of David, to redeem his own. He rode into Jerusalem with that mission, and that was to save his people from their enemies, the number one enemy being sin and death. And But he also rode in as king with heaven's authority to expose and destroy his enemies. In other words, what I'm saying to you, beloved, is that Holy Week... Is a time of salvation and it's a time of judgment. A time of salvation secured for Christ's own people and judgment for the apostate, judgment upon the apostate, satanically energized religious structure of Jerusalem at that time. Now, that may sound pretty hard. I mean, this is, again, the danger that we would look at Holy Week as some kind of a holiday in which we uh, get sentimental. And then, of course, it's right in there with bunnies and Easter eggs and Easter egg hunts, even at Christian churches. Easter egg hunts at Christian churches. I'll never forget walking out of a cathedral uh, back in the day. Uh, And we had attended an Easter service at a cathedral. And as we were walking out down the steps, there was a a person in a full six-foot bunny costume standing there greeting the children as they came out of the church. That's what I mean by a sentimental view of these events. The devil's own destruction. But what we read in the inspired text, what we read in Scripture, is that Jesus rode into Jerusalem as a triumphant king with heaven's own authority and he set about destroying his enemies. He set about bringing judgment upon an apostate system that instead of pointing to him and leading up at to him and pointing to him as the fulfillment of all that that shadow represented, that type and shadow of that system represented, that system itself had hardened into a system that actually opposed Christ. Let me say that again, and please hear me again. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Holy Week, what he encountered was not an old covenant system of temple, worship, sacrifices, and hierarchy. And Levites, Levitical priesthood, that was designed by God to point to Christ. And instead of the leaders of that system saying, "Here he is," everything that we represent has now been fulfilled in his arrival today on Palm Sunday. What they did instead is that system had hardened into a satanically um, a satanically hardened apostate system that actually opposed Christ we just read it didn't we it says here and the chief priests and the scribes heard this and began seeking how to destroy him for they were afraid of him for the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching not only were they not expecting his teaching They were astonished at his teaching. He wasn't coming to affirm the system, the the apostate system in Jerusalem. He wasn't coming into Jerusalem to affirm the sacrificial system and the high priest and the Pharisees and and to applaud them and and bless them and, and thank them for their faithfulness. He was coming in to put it to an end. Holy Week is about putting false religious systems to an end beginning in Jerusalem in A.D. 33. Now, what does that mean to you and I today? It means that Jesus on this beginning of Holy Week is not here to be a part of our silly systems, our sentimentality, and these false religious systems that exist today. In other words, what I'm saying to you is that just as he did in that first Palm Sunday and that first Holy Week, the Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe, the one who has all of authority granted to him in heaven and earth by the Father as the son of David is actually coming in to cleanse his people from most of everything that we are going to see observed and practiced over the next five days Jesus today just as he was that first Holy Week is is still going to be active, and is still active in cleansing his people from false religious systems, most of which calls itself Christianity today, just as it called itself Judaism in the first century. So, this is indeed, my beloved brothers and sisters, a very holy week. But it's also a very solemn week. It's also a time in which you and I are to pause and examine ourselves and consider anything, not only in our character that stands opposed to Christ, and put it to death, by the way, mortify it, but anything in our religious practices That has hardened to the point where it no longer exalts Christ, it no longer magnifies Christ, but it magnifies the system itself. I remember an Episcopal priest told me one time he said, Rick, the Episcopal church exists for one thing, and that is its self propagation. In other words, to propagate its own existence. It's not here to preach the gospel. It's not even here to provide pastoral care. It's here to propagate its own existence, its own system. In other words, what my friend was telling me is that, and by the way, he hated it. What he was telling me is that his own tradition, his own denomination, if you can call it that, had hardened into a system that actually stood opposed to Christ. Christ. And most of what calls itself Christianity today whether it's liberal Christianity dispensational Christianity Catholic Christianity or charismatic Christianity and even some of those in the hyper-Calvinist tradition the Theonomists those stand as hardened man-made systems that while they may be appearing this week to be in an observing mode in a pious observation of Holy Week beginning with Thursday and then Friday and into Holy Saturday and then Easter morning. What they really are is they're hardened systems that stand opposed to Christ. But here's the deal. Christ stands opposed to them and let me give you an idea you know who's going to win that battle and my concern for you is that you be on the right side of that battle my concern for you is that you stand with Christ and the saints throughout the ages as that system mocks Christ this season this year but understanding that your risen Lord is still, and even now, King of the universe with all of heaven and earth, all the authority in heaven and on earth His. And you may think you're getting away with something in your hardened little system that opposes Him, that is has forsaking forsaken the, 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 the obligation to exalt Him, to be centered on him, to reveal the truth of the biblical Christ to the people around, to bring believers into maturity and equip them for the work of the ministry. But it has become a, a system unto itself for its own self-propagation. I think I'm saying that word right. <laughs> you get my point. That's what happened in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The system exists for itself. It didn't exist for the glory of God. It didn't exist to point uh, to point people to Christ as the fulfillment of that system. It didn't exist to care for souls. It didn't exist to even care for the widow and the orphan. It existed for itself. There's a mega church down the street from me that's going to have probably four or five services this Sunday. There's a Pentecostal church down the street from me. There's a Catholic church across from that. Kitty corner to that, there's a dispensational Baptist church. And across from that is a liberal Presbyterian church. And there's going to be unspeakable activity this week at each one of those churches. I mean, talk about busyness and activity and all kinds of liturgical and otherwise celebration going on. Come join us for Easter. Easter at our church. Big music. Big celebration. Fun and games for all the kids. Each one of those churches, I'm saying to you today as sure as I'm breathing, each one of those churches, which are all within three blocks of my own home, represent systems that have been hardened and exist for themselves. And Christ, this Holy Week, just as he did that first week, stands opposed to each one of them and will destroy them. What I'm saying to you today is, pause, beloved, this Holy Week, and consider what side of the fence you're on. Are you standing with Christ this Holy Week? Are you, or are you standing within one of those hardened systems? And if you are, he calls you out. And I'll close with this. Hebrews chapter 13. It says this, verse 12. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood suffered outside the gate. So, let us go out to him, outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the one to come. He's speaking in this text, of course, about the lasting city, as in contrast to Jerusalem at the time. The pride of all Jewish people. It was Jerusalem. Pray for Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But here, the writer to the Hebrews is saying, get out of town. Jesus ain't there. That system put Jesus outside of its own walls and crucified him. Don't stay within that system. Go outside the camp to him. Let us go out to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. Or stay within the system and suffer his wrath, just holy wrath. He is king. And who can resist his sovereign, almighty power as God's anointed king this holy week? No one. But he did come to save you. He came to save you. He didn't come to help you save yourself. He didn't come to start a newer religion where he could just be the enabling force in your life while you are busily developing and accruing your own righteousness. No, he came to save you from that which you cannot save yourself. This Friday, when we remembered that he gripped Spike Nails and they were driven into his feet, and when the spear entered his side, and when he cried out, It is finished. He had accomplished salvation for his own. He didn't just make it possible. He secured it. Period. What we celebrate this coming weekend is not only that atonement on our behalf, but of course the resurrection that followed. And then some days from now, we'll be celebrating Pentecost, in which we observe that the gift of the Spirit came to make sure and to ensure that that gift, that sacrifice, and that resurrection were made fully applicable to God's people. So that today we walk in a full atonement that's been accomplished on our behalf. There's nothing about human achievement in salvation. It's all about God's accomplishment. And the Spirit has given us, He's given us His Spirit to dwell in us, to work that out. Not so that we work for our salvation, but we work out our salvation. We work out into our character and into our life that which God has accomplished on our behalf. Well, we'll pause there think on these things beloved consider what I'm saying and I realize there's nothing wrong with having a wonderful time gathering with your family and friends this weekend celebrating Resurrection Sunday enjoying a meal be joyful, be festive just remember that we are called to be with Christ not those systems that oppose him Rather, we are to stand with him, even behind him, as he saves us, not only from our own sin and death, and please let me hear, hear me now as I close, but from those very systems that would lock us into that sin and death, all the while telling us that we're good, that we're on our way to heaven. Salvation's not in the system. Salvation's in a person. The person of our Lord and Savior and only King Jesus Christ. Amen.